0: Hello everyone, I'm Feño, and this is a, an on podcast, but I have this idea, and I think this could be useful as a guideline of simple understanding of some terms, so in this bonus podcast, uh, if you want to call it like that, I'll be talking mostly about weight classes, weight cutting, and PEDs uh, when it comes to mixed martial arts. Because I I think a lot of people have some understanding, but may have some confusion about some simple things, uh, especially when it comes to, to to talking about like the weight class of I mean the weight cutting practices of the fighters or which fighters are using between quotes uh, for the record in this podcast I won't be. Uh, doing any accusations to any fighter of using uh, banned substances, but at the same time I won't be out of my way to defend anyone for not using them. Uh, This is not, this is all theoretical. I will be giving some examples about some things that are not super related to performance enhancing drugs. Uh, So what are my qualifications to talk about this topic? I do not have a I do not have like a degree or formal education, but I, I have I do have some higher education in basic biology. But other than that, I don't. Uh, so what are my qualifications? Uh, I've been a lifetime athlete. I was a combats uh, an amateur kickboxer, a Muay Thai fighter. I had quite a few fights. I cut weight a few times, uh, despite uh, not big amounts. I was a martial arts coach, and I'm. Currently, uh, practicing uh, powerlifting, so I'm in that like gym culture world. I'm getting ready for my first meet this year. Um, I might have to do a weight cut, probably not, but I'll I will will have to fit into a weight class to compete later this year. So to get out of the way, let's get some with some. I mean, let's start with some very basic stuff Uh, first. Oh uh, let's let's get into weight classes okay the sport of mma is divided into weight classes at the smaller uh when it comes to the ufc we start with for let's talk about the males and the females and um, let's talk females and app, uh, you start with 115 and then you go for intervals of 10 pounds this means 115 125 135 etc and then from 170 you jump to 185 205 that is 20 pounds and then heavyweight that has a cap of 265. Okay, so the sport is divided in, in weight classes because it is assumed that uh, size advantage uh, is beneficial for the sport of MMA and I think we cannot agree about that. Okay, so every fighter has a body weight. Uh, when it comes to weight classes, uh, there's a waiting day that is the day prior to the fights. You get to need you need to get on the scale, you get weight in. You need to you need to wait at the exact weight of your weight class. For example, if you're trying to make middleweight that it's 185, you need to uh, weight 185, but uh, during non title fights you get a one pound of leeway. So you get to wait exactly 186. Uh, or less over 170 and under 186 you need to to wait between that range to make the weight class and if you are familiar with MMA and weight gains and all of that you know that like 99.9% of the fighters are on the upper end of that limit uh, except for heavyweight because weight cutting is not very common unless you are over 265 over there. But why fighters are in the upper limit? Because fighters also think that being bigger is an advantage. And that's why fighters want to be big for the weight class. But let's get back a little bit and let's get into body weight. So there's a few factors that determine body weight. First, is your bone structure, you, can, you cannot do much about it. There, there can be some variables that affect bone structure uh, bone weight, but we'll, we'll ignore that I and mean, that's very little too. But yeah, bone structure and your organs, you have to deal with that. And then on top of that, you have muscle tissue and fat tissue. What you need to know about this is that muscle is responsible for moving your body around, producing force, producing power, and fat tissue is necessary for, for a lot of bodily functions, but you don't, need, you don't need it to be that high to function as an athlete in the moment. Uh, there has been some studies about um, the negative effects of being like incredibly lean for very long periods of time, including the crashing of the testosterone and other hormones, but we, don't, we won't go into that, so... So we'll determine that muscle makes you stronger. So you want to be carrying a good amount of, of muscle and you want to minimize fat. And there's, there are other reasons why you would want to minimize fat. We'll get into that when we get, when we get into the weight cutting part. So why fighters want to be bigger inside the cage? Well, as we established, Uh, It is accepted that a size advantage is a good thing to have in a fight. Uh, In very simple terms, uh, the bigger you are, the most likely that you are stronger. Uh, The stronger you are, the, the more chances that you are more powerful. Because power is determined by the mass that you move. And the acceleration that you give that mass. So if you're able to keep the same speed to your punches for example, at a higher body weight you're going to be punching harder. So fighters want to be bigger and also if you're dealing with a bigger fighter he will be exerting more force on you and you will be moving a bigger body around so that's more likely to get you tired and to make you feel weaker overall. So this this might sound like excessively obvious, but I want to get very basic on this stuff. So fighters want to be bigger. That's established, we've seen in every weight cut. I mean, in every weight gain that fighters, if you have to make 170, to give another example, you'll see some fighters make 169 maybe. And that's because like they overshoot the weight cut for the most part. And mostly everyone in the UFC is fighting uh, except for heavyweights as I said uh, they are fighting over that weight class. Uh, what do you mean what do we mean by that? is that fighters do a practice known as weight cutting uh, to so they weight a certain amount and we'll get into the process of that uh, to the scale the day before and then when it comes to the fight night, they're actually bigger inside the cage. How does that happen for those of you that don't know? Well, let's uh, explain that. I mean, let's get into some other stuff. So so you, if you get an idea, so let's understand that weight cutting is a thing that happens in the UFC. Um, the UFC just wakes fighters the day before the fight. I mean, the, the athletic commission does, but the UFC participates in that. But California, uh, the California State Athletic Commission wakes fighters the day of the fight, like the day of the fight. So they give give out reports on how much are fighters weighing in on fight day, and the California Athletic uh, State Adle- Athletic Commission gives a recommendation that fighters should only cut around ten percent of their body weight to compete in mixed martial arts, and if they exceed this. Um, this amount, they give a recommendation to the fighter to move up to the next class. And if you look at the, the reports that they have for UFC events and Bellator events that go on in California, you can see that most, and most fighters, by a big majority, are coding over that 10%. And most fighters, if you go like over 8%, I think you're, appro- you're approaching like 85% of all fighters. So all fighters are cutting a decent amount of weight. So if you, for example, if you want to know how much the average uh, featherweight in the UFC is weighing in during fight night, you get the 145, Uh, you could do like super simplified maths and just add 14, that it's like a little less than 10%. And you would be like with 159 and you can add like a pound. And so you, you go and like like your average featherweight is around 160 inside the cage. That's, that's just like oversimplified. Um, so what is weight cutting? Okay, we have a lot of confusion when it comes to what it's dieting and what it's weight cutting. Uh, some people use these inter-exchangeable and it can get very confusing So we'll get into, we'll make a division here, just for the sake of simplicity. Dieting is controlling your weight via calorie input. That means that your your body weight is determined by calories in, calories out. Uh, All the calories in means the food intake and calories out means your energy expenditure. So fighters, uh, dieting means that you get on a certain amount of uh calories per, you get a certain amount of calories per day to lose weight and, and go down in weight to make your weight classes. And weight cutting, we'll, we'll talk about, when it comes to weight cutting, we'll be talking about uh, water cutting. What is water cutting? Well, uh, your muscles, uh, mostly, are carrying around, um, depending on your hydration levels, a big amount of water, so fighters, what fighters do is they get rid of the most amount of water stored in, the, in their muscles for waiting day and then get that water back into their bodies for fight day, that's, that's why it, there is a discrepancy between the, the official weigh-in and the fight day weigh-in that California puts out. So when, when you say a fighter is cutting 15 pounds of water, that may sound insane, but it's actually not weird at all in the UFC. It means that this, the, this fighter dehydrated themselves, uh, get, got rid of 15 pounds of water that they were storing in their muscles, uh, went to weigh-in and rehydrated to get that uh, water back in their weight. So this means that if you get rid of water and you can put it back the, back in your body, that means that you will get to be bigger. And because the UFC has weight-ins the day before the fight, that means that you get a whole day to rehydrate, get bigger for the fight. Simple as that. Uh, how fighters cut weight, maybe we can do another podcast another day, but I don't get, I don't want to get like super specific about that. But it's just so you understand that fighters get water out of their system, get on the scale, get the water back. That's how uh, weight cutting works. And it's different from dieting. And fighters usually do both. Do both. Uh, Fighters uh, get bigger outside of camp. Then they need to uh, some fighters, some stay in shape year round, but it's easier to like just get a bit bigger outside of camp. Then they do their diet to get to a certain point where it's safe to do a decently big wake up to make a weight loss. So how much water can you cut? That's determined by uh, mostly like, this is super simplified, two factors, okay? It's how much water retention, uh, how much water your muscles usually are retaining in your body and the ability of your kidneys to get that water out of your system. So for example, maybe you are someone that retains a lot of water in their muscles, but you have like kidney malfunction, you will have a very hard time cutting weight because you eliminate most of the water via urine. And also sweat, but urine is like where they drop these big amounts is usually that. So so there are pros and cons. Obviously the big pro is that you get to be bigger inside the cage, the cons of cutting weight. And that's why fighters do not take it to such a big stream. The, the, the weight costs are pretty extreme, but they have, like, they have it like under control. But yeah, if you don't get to rehydrate, like surely that's very dangerous because your brain is not functioning correctly. You are very likely to get knocked out inside the cage. Your reflexes are going to be impaired as well and your cardio is going to suffer. Also, even if your weight, your wake up is successful and you replenish yourself with the, with the needed liquids to get back to your weight, there is still a chance that You do not feel great during fight day. You get tired more easily. You're not as fast, you're not as sharp, and mentally you're not as good as you would be without a watercut. So fighters need to balance out the pros and cons and how much weight they are going to to cut. Uh, To give some examples, uh, you know about, for example, Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier used to fight at 145, was a pretty big dude there. Um, he said that he was like dedicating their whole camp, his whole camp, to dieting and then to weight cutting. So it was like two months out. the The diet was very hard on him. Uh, I I think Dustin Poirier was around like 165 when he was fighting at when he was fighting at featherweight. So he was like dieting very hard to get to those 165 because he was probably over 170 outside camp. So he was dieting and training while very tired because he was on a calorie deficit. Then, like a week out from the fight, he starts the weight the, the water cut. It was grueling and he says he could not focus during fights. He was not performing at his best. He moved out to 155. He still put on some weight. Obviously, he didn't have to diet as hard. He put on some put and good pounds of muscle, he's around like 180 now, he's still doing a, like a big cut to make the 155, but you can tell that there's a big difference. So there's an example of where the dieting and the weight cutting was getting in the way of performance, and being as big as he was, was not giving him the same benefits as he has now, not being as big in lightweight. And then you have the, the, the crazy example, like uh, Rumble Johnson, who used to fight at 170, He looked completely enormous next to every other fighter. And it was very clear to me, at least in my experience, that uh, Rumble was like cutting around like 30 or so pounds of water, but he was only getting back like 20 or 25 because you can tell on his face and on his muscles that he was still pretty dry going inside the cage. So that's very dangerous. That's very dangerous, but he was willing to take the risk. And it was probably like super hard on his kidneys because he was not able to cut big amounts of weight anymore. He had to move to 205. He couldn't even make 185 eventually. yeah, He got super big and that made the, the weight cut easier. So getting back to, to weight cut uh, and f- muscle fat and, and muscle tissue and fat tissue... So we talk about how you want to be like having big muscles to produce power and not having much fat because fat is not like making you stronger. It's only making you heavier. But also um, being leaner means you have more water in your body to cut weight. So let's, for example, let's get back to featherweight. We have two guys that are like fight ready in shape. Both are 165 right now, and both have the basically the same bone structure. But one is very lean at his 165, and the other one is kind of the pudgy side, like he's around like has a a higher percentage of body fat. He does not have like visible abs. The other have has like pains all over. The guy making 165 is going. uh, The the lean guy is going to have on average, if they have like similar kidney functions and all of that, on average, he will have an easier time making the weight because he has more water in his muscles. That means he has more weight to drop before getting to a like a critical condition where there is no more water to replenish from the body. And you start feeling like worse and worse when you get to those like critical points. And uh, the guy that is carrying around more fat if he starts cutting weight, he will eventually run run out of water to cut from his from his muscles, and you cannot actually lose like many uh, the fat cells are not carrying around that amount of water, so you cannot lose water from there. So he will f- l- he will feel a lot worse making the same weight, despite both guys are cutting 20 pounds to make the weight class. For the leaner guy, that those 20 pounds are not the are not such a high percentage of his overall water that is for the other like fighter guy, for example. So that's how weight cutting works. And that's why fighters are not <laughs> fighters. They not weight uh, what their weight class says. It's very funny to me when people say like, oh, Dimitris Johnson is only 125 pounds. Uh, Demetrius Johnson during fight night is like 142 that it's not huge. But it's like, it is like very different than the 125, 125 is is just what he weighs when he got on the scale and he weighed that for like one hour, maybe two hours, and then he puts on a lot of water back on his body and his normal weight is more like 142 and, he, and probably outside of camp he gets to like 150. So for a guy that is like 5'2", I think he is, or 5'3", I don't know, he's like a thick Dude, you know, he's <laughs> like. obviously you're not going to see Dimitri Johnson in person if you're like average size and you're going to see oh Dimitri Johnson is big but but you might be surprised that he's not as tiny especially muscle-wise as you might think. So with that out of the way um, let's talk a little bit about PEDs and steroids because I think people First of all, what are PEDs? Uh, PEDs are performance enhancing drugs. Uh, these are substances that help you perform better inside the cage in the, con- in the context of MMA. And they are determined by any like enforcing body that is uh, in charge of that. Uh, for UFC, it used to be USADA. It was the United States, uh, anti-doping thing <laughs> i don't remember the name of the of the organization and now the ufc has like their own like anti-doping thing that it's like and so they the determination of what constitutes a ped and what doesn't is like somewhat arbitrary arbitrary because for example uh, fighters are allowed to take creatine for example that it has shown in numerous uh, studies to have benefits for performance uh, not great, like nothing life-changing, it's not, it's not like steroids and we we'll get into that later, but it's allowed. Caffeine is not banned by either WADA or USADA and as a an stimulant it has been shown to be very effective. On the other hand, like for example, marijuana has been banned uh, during competition and as an enhancer, not because it's dangerous for the user, so that's very weird for example. And, and then you have things like, for example, testosterone and human growth hormone that are naturally produced by your body, but you cannot use like external agents of those uh, hormones. You cannot add... The, I mean, it's against the rules, not that you cannot, <laughs> because obviously, fighters use it a lot. So what are anabolic steroids? Um, anabolic steroids are... Drugs that are related to boosting testosterone, and that mostly Traduces in uh, better better muscle production, better performance of the muscle, and Other things like more aggression on the side, but we're here to talk about muscle, muscle tissue here So a lot of people tend to think that fighters, uh, just because they are like in a small weight class or something like that Uh, They cannot be using like anabolic steroids like fire they are like Look at like for example, and I'm not making accusations. Just an example like look at Cory Sanhagen He's like a very skinny guy. He's only like 150 at like 5 feet 10 inches No way this guy is using anabolic steroids Is it? Well, let's get back to making your weight class when you are dieting as a normal person, when you lose weight because of dieting and exercise, it is normal to lose muscle and fat. Uh, The more protein and more exercise that you get in, it it is more likely that you're going to be losing more fat than muscle. And that's also uh, genetically determined. But, But yeah, I mean, you will always lose muscle as well as fat when you're losing weight and when you're gaining weight you will always be uh, gaining mass and muscle mass and fat tissue like there's no way around it the percentages can be modified because of your physical activity and the macronutrients so if you intake more protein than like carbohydrates and fats uh, the most likely that you're going to be um, building muscle especially if you are like getting into resistance training and the same when you're losing weight you're minimizing the the muscle loss and maximizing fat loss but then it comes the anabolic steroid here an anabolic steroid that promotes like muscle synthesis like testosterone for example or I exogenous testosterone or for example something like Trembolone that people usually associate with uh, bodybuilders you could say like this has no advantage for an MMA fighter it has a big advantage because you gotta understand that we determine that it's calories in calories out you will not uh, you cannot create mass out of thin air if you get into steroids uh, for example testosterone and you keep eating the same amount of the same amount of calories, uh, the testosterone might uh, give you um, a small like metabolic boost. That means that you will maybe burn more calories with the same amount of activity. So you might even lose weight, right? The, the testosterone is not going to create mass out of anything. What the testosterone will do is that every protein that you consume uh, testosterone will make it more efficient to transform that into muscle. So when you're weight cutting, it's the same, like your muscle synthesis is so good that the amount of muscle that you lose will be almost zero compared to a natural athlete. And when you're gaining weight, you also will be gaining weight most, m- more cleanly than a natural athlete. So when you're trying to make a weight class, an anabolic steroid can be very useful. And that's not even mentioning the, the qualities that it has on recovery, that it's allowed, that it allows you this um, muscle synthesis that is enhanced by these anabolic steroids allow you to train harder because your muscles are repairing themselves way quicker than when you are natural. So that's why a fighter would use Anabolic steroid, as opposed to another like um, another like prohibited substance, like for example EPO, erythropoietin, that it's very famous because T. A. Dillard shook out with that, that it has shown to have like great effects on cardio. Uh, so, but yeah, there's a lot of benefits to come with anabolic steroids too. So. A fighter just because he's not in great shape and just because he doesn't have a six pack, just because he's fighting at a smaller weight class, it does not mean that they are clean. It does not mean that they are not on the craziest shit because they are making weight classes and they are working with these very small margins here. They want to be as big as they can while performing and it's all about finding balances, like what is my ideal weight class? Your ideal, your ideal weight class is a weight class where you are not feeling small next to the competition, where the weight cut is like, feels bad, but it's not killing you, when you feel almost like in the gym after cutting the most amount of weight. And obviously you want to be as lean as you can while still being able to perform. Some people carry more fat naturally than others, so maybe it won't, be, it won't be a good idea to get like super ripped for everyone. Like not everyone, not every guy can be as lean like on Figueredo, for example. Some guys need to be carrying more fat to feel well. So you got to understand that. A lot of fighters that are like kind of chunky would be benefit uh, in theory but by getting leaner. Just because they won't be carrying fat that they are not using to produce force. But then you get to the psychological side that maybe they feel a lot better you know eating a bit more calories and carrying that fat around uh, makes their hormone feel a lot better so there's a lot of of shit going on there but yeah, I mean just wanted to clarify like what is weight cutting uh, what are the weight losses why are fighters like cutting weight because people are are usually saying like oh the solution is just like most smart fighters will stop cutting weight and that's not how the system works like we've seen fighters move up like Dustin Poirier or Robert Whitaker move up successfully because they were overdoing the trying to fit on a smaller weight class but they are still like not super small for their current weight class. Uh, Dustin Poirier is not 155 (laughs) during fight night and Robert Weidaker is not 185 during finite. And we'll get the the Robert Widracker stats because the last event was in California, so we get we get stats about that. But yeah, it's just a very like like an intro to what is weight coding, what are weight classes, what are PEDs, how it all relates to one another, because I thought it was like some people have some confusions about this some people just think that, oh, steroids are just to, to building like those bish muscles and those, those are useless to MMA. Not true at all. Not true at all. Uh, the muscles that you can build with anabolic steroids can be very useful and you can see th- their effects in like strength sports, like in weightlifting, in powerlifting. How lifters are, enhanced lifters are way better than natural lifters. And, and on the last topic, when it comes to, do, you, do I think fighters are using, using drugs? I want to clarify that I have got weight and I have competed in combat sports in the past. I'm 34 years old right now and I'm a, I'm a lifetime natty. <laughs> I've never taken anything at all. Uh, why? Because I've never competed at such a high level. Uh, I did like very small weight class, um, very small weight cut because I uh, was fighting someone that was also cutting like four or five pounds uh, before a kickboxing fight, uh, and, and someone that is, was also like doing it like as a side thing just because, just like I was at the time. So, could I tell you that I would not use PEDs if I was like at the highest uh, level? It was my life on the line, and I knew everyone else was doing it. No, I could not tell you that I would not do it. Maybe I wouldn't, but it would be a lie to tell you, like, oh, I would never, I would never, I would be a knife-time and Natty on the, until the day I die. I have not been in that position. But we've seen how fighters are willing to do whatever, like, to cheat inside the cage to get at a very small advantage, even if it's, like, um, like a cage grab. You know, like a cage grab, a glove grab, like you're their fighters are willing to do that because winning means everything to them. And if they're willing to do that, are they willing to shit outside the cage as well? I like to think that yes, yes. Most fighters want to squish any advantage that they can, especially if they know their opposition is also doing that. That's why they are all cutting weight and i'm not sure i'm not part like i have not been like inside of like american top team aka uh, i'm not an insider in that part of the sport so i could not tell you like if all of these guys are doing it but if but if it's like well a well known secret that guys are doing drugs then yeah i would tell you everyone is doing drugs everyone at the highest level is doing something, and even with as strict as USADA was, because USADA, let's, let's be real, they were trying to... I'm not sure if there was like any politics behind the scenes and they were like forgiving some guys, I don't know about that, but the, the testing was very strict, the thing is that detecting some of the most modern designer drugs is very, very hard. It's very hard, it's very hard to demonstrate that you were using exogenous agents, when it comes to some substances, uh, they don't even know how to test for some of these. So, if you know for sure that you can get away with an advantage in a fi- in a sport that is as cutthroat as MMA, would you take that advantage? To to most people, especially those obsessed obsessed with winning, I would say yes. I would say yes, and I would not believe even like the biggest detractors uh, when they are in front of the microphone, and I'm not accusing, again, but if you, if you ask me, like, was, for example, Dominic Cruz using performance-enhancing drugs, I would not tell you I'm sure that he wasn't, even though he's on the mic all the time saying, oh, it's because of Usada, it's because of Usada, T.A. Dilash and, and Henan Barrao were good because they were here before Usada. I wouldn't tell you that he was not using. I don't know if he was, but it wouldn't surprise me one bit if he was using something. So yeah, I mean, those are my thoughts. Uh, Hopefully some pieces of information on here are useful to you guys. Um, I'm planning on doing a follow-up podcast with my friend Sandra about this uh, because I think it's a very interesting topic and some fans that come from like different backgrounds. Maybe they have they have not competed in amateur, or maybe they have and they are not familiar with this like extreme weight cutting, uh, doing a weight class, being bigger, taking strength and conditioning very seriously, and also the PED side. Uh, I I can understand that this can be like very confusing to some people. So I just wanted to go over on very simple terms so you guys can understand some of it. If you have any questions, please let me know uh, when I post this on Twitter or just DM me some. Uh, If you have questions about like strength and conditioning and my opinions about that, uh, me and Sandra will be covering those on the next, uh, on the follow-up episode to this as well. Uh, Thank you guys for listening and I'll catch you on the next one. Remember, you can support me via Patreon on the Fight Sites Patreon link below in the description. Um, A lot of content. Uh, I have technical notes about the UFC 298 main card coming out this week. So that's very cool. Take care, guys. Bye.